Welcome to BitFaced. We go to conventions a lot, and we talk about conventions a lot, and we pay attention to conventions a lot. And the biggest convention in our respective geek worlds happened this past weekend. There were so many announcements and so many awesome trailers. Tyler and I were going to sit down and do an episode just about San Diego Comic-Con. But when you get a chance to have a guy, not only who we love, Carl Brevik, to come on the show, but he just got back from San Diego Comic-Con, and I'm sure he has a couple stories he can tell us. Anyways, I'm here, Tyler's here, Carl's here, and we're going to talk about San Diego Comic-Con. I got I to gotta start, Carl, by saying yet another picture of you and Weird Al. Are you getting fucking yes. sick of this shit yet? I'm so tired of hanging around celebrities for free. It's just the worst. I'm trying to walk around, and celebrities are like, hey, can I grab a picture with you? Especially when they're childhood heroes. I'm like, I've had enough of you in my life. No, I mean, this. it was amazing. Like, I had just been hanging out with a friend, and she saw would always see a bunch of celebrities. And I always see a bunch of celebrities. So we were hanging out together, and we're like, we can't wait to see how we double up. Didn't happen. She's like, all right, I'm going to go back to my hotel room. I'm like, all right, yeah, we didn't see anyone tonight. So I start walking back to my hotel room. All of a sudden, I see this guy. I'm like, that guy has, like, Weird Al's hair, exactly. Not that I've spent an unnatural amount of time studying his hair, but I have. And so I'm like, yeah, I wonder if he's doing a Weird Al cosplay. And I was like, wait a minute, that shirt. I know that shirt. And then I came around in front and I see Weird Al. And he looked very anxious. Like he's like looking on the streets, like almost lost. And this guy was going to come up to get a picture with him. And you could tell he's like, ah, I'm not going to do it. But I, being me, was like, I'm never not going to try. So I go running up. And I'm J. Jonah Jameson, by the way, at this moment. Uh, dressed as J. Jonah Jameson. So I come up and in character voice, I'm like, hey, Weird Al, can I get your picture? And he's like, yeah. And he was super polite and super nice. Take the picture. And then I go, and I don't know if you remember me, but I dressed up as you. In Denver and Salt Lake, and this like wave of like relief melted over to like someone he remotely recognized in this city, and he was like, "I do. How have you been?" And I was like, and started talking, and all of a sudden there I am hanging out, walking with Weird Al as we explore the city, trying to find the the party slash interview he was supposed to be at. It was great. So I'm 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 gonna say you're officially friends with Weird Al. I'm gonna say it, yeah. No, and that's and that's the thing, and that's what's so amazing about San Diego Comic Con is because when there's people like Will Smith and Chris Hemsworth hanging around, people like Weird Al all of a sudden become the C list, which is nuts to me. Weird Al is always A list to me, but everyone's looking for the Game of Thrones cast and this cast, and so then Weird Al's walking around, and they're like, oh yeah, it's that funny guy with the accordion. But where? When do we get to see Sansa Stark? And so. With that, with that, with that, there he got to be a little more relaxed. So yeah, I would say friends. I would say friends. That's awesome. So tell me about besides meeting Weird Al, I got to see this yeah. online. Tell me about your your weekend. I assume you were there for all three days, four days, five, five days. days, five days, including the preview night. Because I have a professional badge, so I get to go to the preview night, then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Did you do ten cosplays? I, <laughs> uh, five on the books for this one. And the only reason I limited myself was baggage room. I even checked a bag, which I hate doing, but I wound up checking the bag to make sure I had room for all the cosplays. I did uh, Dale Gribble again for preview night, which was a lot of fun. Uh, but that was kind of like preview nights, very much everyone like, we're all professionals and we're here to see the stuff before all the other people get here. And so not a lot of like cosplay happened that day. And then uh, Thursday was Spike, brought Spike back for the 20th anniversary of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and got to hang out with Claire Kramer. Uh, glory a little bit and the annoying one the anointed one andrew uh and uh then friday was uh jameson and that was just like i lived in the marvel booth i'll elaborate on each of these days as we go and then uh saturday was sexy gandalf and sunday was the debut of flynn rider from tangled so but yeah i'm exhausted i'm gonna tell you that anyone who goes to san diego comic-con even for one day and doesn't come back when i'm exhausted didn't actually go to san diego comic-con how was attendance this year? I've heard that it was the lines were insane. Insane. That's the thing. The lines were so insane it was hard to gauge like how many people were there again because just the for the first year ever the management was an issue. I know Hall H had a lot of issues this year because they were letting people normally they're like, Well, you can't line up for the Friday line until such and such a time on Thursday and the Thursday line. This time they're like you know, they had places for each day, but you could line up for the Saturday one as early as Wednesday night. And I had heard word on the street was this convention had said it was because a lot of the movie and TV companies wanted to be able to brag about, look at the fans waiting for three days to see our panel. And so that did, that really contributed to an extra crazy show. Um, and then adding the fact that uh, uh, counterfeit wristbands were worse than ever this year. 
Uh, they, you get like you wait in line to get a wristband that says yes, you get to get into the panel. People were making them, so people who waited those three days didn't get into the panels. They waited to see because of the amount of counterfeit wristbands that were going around. Uh, but overall, tens was high. Although I will say, and again, I don't know if it was because I was looking for it just after Denver Comic Con too, but the cosplay numbers seemed to be down to me. Like walking around, I didn't see as much cosplay. Why do you think that is? Did they change their rules and regulations this year as well? No, they had, you know, you could have guns. I mean, like they had some pretty like intense looking guns too that were like, again, after the recent cutbacks that were almost startling, like people, someone pulled a gun and be like, whoa, oh, okay, that's fake. But yeah, the, that was all there. Um, to me, it's, there's a couple, there's a couple theories that are being bounced around as to why it was for this. But I think one of the things that was said uh, that really meant a lot is San Diego Comic-Con has kind of been the place for big time cosplayers. I mean, you're Jessica Negri's and the class near and just below to debut their big stuff. So a lot of cosplayers, it's been said, are getting intimidated by that. So it's either your, your ace, your a game again, almost like the celebrities, like weird Al your a game cosplaying, or you're just kind of like someone with a store-bought costume. And that gray area is becoming more and more non-existent in uh in the the cosplay community of san diego again but i've only gone for like two and a half years so it's not like i have a a long backlog but even just from the internet just comparing internet spot sightings it's like well gizmodo's best of the con was a lot less thick this year that's pretty interesting to me because you know when i go to cosplay i never try to compare myself to any of the professional cosplayers i mean even yourself (laughs) (laughs) i mean that would just be crazy it is uh, comparative, and that's the thing, cosplay, especially uh, what I find, what's so interesting about that is all the cosplayers I know who are successful cosplayers, air quotes, or professional air quotes, cosplayers are the ones that when before and during and after their, their hot spots never go, yeah, I've been chasing fame. I've wanted to be famous. I wanted this. I wanted to compare myself. They're the ones who go, I have fun. All the, like I would hang, I hung out with so many cosplayers in San Diego and friends and new friends that are, have 600,000 fans on Facebook and all of those people go, I'm just in for fun. I'm not like people like you could, you could be bigger. They're like, I don't need to be. I'm fine where I am. I just enjoy what I do. And the the people who are going, Oh, but I'm not Jessica Negri. I'm not Yaya Han. I'm not this person. And I don't do this as well. And, but I need to find my way to get famous. Those are the ones that are. You, they take the fun out of it. When you lose the fun, it's cosplay, not cost professional. You can't be Jessica Negri because mm-hmm. Jessica Negri already exists. If you want to carve out your own niche, and I'm going to make a guess here, whether in cosplay, comedy, acting, anything, mm-hmm. podcasting, yep. you better be something a little bit different. Yep. And have fun because that's the thing I always tell people is if you're not doing fun, you're not willing to make those sacrifices. You're not willing to, to financially invest in yourself. You're not willing to, to spend the extra hours. You're not willing to do the blood, set, and tears because everything is hard. All those things just listen, listed is hard. But cosplay especially, you're doing a movie. I mean, look at the average production team that goes into costumes for a TV show, a low-budget TV show. You have about 9 to 11 people doing hair, makeup, Costume design, costume selection, costume purchasing, costume fittings, all this stuff. And cosplayers do all of that in one. All of that. In, and, and so if you're not going, if you're not loving every second of it, you fall, you fall off the bandwagon because eventually you just pull out your hair going crazy. I can kind of agree with that. But I, I think there's room for trying to be like a casual cosplayer without, oh, yeah. yeah, without trying to, you know, be famous, without trying to make that your, yeah. you know, your thing. Well, and that's what it should. It, it was always supposed to be, and that's, that's that's that is kind of the weird place we're kind of getting to in cosplay. Is that too many people go, "How many fans do you have?" or "What's your followers on Instagram?" or etc. And I'm like, just dresses the characters like. Like I get asked that a lot too, especially as I've been finding more successful. How did you get successful? And I was like, I never thought about success. And more people need to do that. Like my brothers are a great example of that. I can pull them up because one's a doctor, one's going to be a you know he's heading to the East Coast soon to be you know a Broadway singer. Neither of them have cosplay in their goals, but they still dress up and we have fun. And we go back to being little kids goofing around in our favorite fandoms. And that's what cosplay should be. It should never be who's better. And that's why I, whenever I'm at a con, always stop most anyone in the cosplay, especially if I see them doing the casual thing and ask them for pictures and make sure they get a compliment because they're doing it in my book right, if there is a right way. Yeah. Because otherwise it's come down to a thing where, you know, people have asked me if I consider myself a cosplayer and I would because I like to cosplay. Um, But other people would say, you know, look at you and say, you're not a cosplayer because you don't dedicate all your time to making your outfits and all that stuff. And I don't think that's, you know, what it is. No, that's not fair at all. No, it's it's a it's a fine line. Like 
if you picked up Pac-Man once, would you call yourself a gamer? Well, that's the thing. That's I like fair. to associate it to musicians, though. Like, again, like, there's a difference between a musician and a professional musician. And I believe if you are someone who has a guitar and a piano and even a keyboard or whatever, or if you have a guitar and you, or a ukulele and you play that ukulele for fun and you enjoy it and you've learned six songs, you're a musician. You're not a professional musician, but you're a musician. And that's the thing. I, I believe anyone who uh, cosplays, again, there's because, again, the, the definition always gets sticky, it's, but especially crowds like San Diego. That's why that point that a friend had made was like, it gets really competitive out here. It might be killing some of the, the vibe uh, stuck with me. But um, with cosplay, like to me, cosplay means putting on a costume and playing. That doesn't mean in character acting either. That just means playing around, having fun, interacting with fans. Otherwise, you're a costumer or a costume model. And those are two other things. But if you're playing in your costume, that is cosplay, costume play. And so if you're doing those two things, there shouldn't be a professional barometer. If you've done it, you know, you could say I've cosplayed before if you don't do it anymore. If you only had that one costume or that one time. But anyone who dresses up when they go to cons, I mean, there's there's old, I love seeing it. There's guys in their 70s dressed as the Lone Ranger. And it's just a denim shirt and a little black mask and a white hat. That guy's absolutely a cosplayer. And he's as much of a cosplayer as I am in my book. Don't think I could have said it better than that. I'd like <laughs> to talk about uh, some of the panels that you attended and some of the other things that you did at, yeah. at SDCC. Yeah, no, lots, lot, so much goes on there. Did um, you, um, and I know you probably didn't, did you make the psych panel? I did not, man. They showed 10 minutes of the movie, and I'm I so jealous so of everyone that's seen it. And I also missed the Rick and Morty panel. That was the only other one on my checklist, and they showed, like, they had, like, new episodes airing and stuff, and so I was losing it, some stuff. One of the favorite things I did do is I did a, uh, uh, I stopped by the Nintendo booth, and we'll talk about that more soon. But the Nintendo, the Nintendo hands-on stuff was out of this world amazing. But one of my favorite panels I did, they did a voiceover acting panel. And that's my bread and butter. I can sit and listen to voice actors all day. And so they had Gray Delisle. They had the voice of Invader Zim, whose name escapes me right now because I just got back from San Diego. They had uh, the guy who does Kung Fu Panda, the TV show, um, and stuff. And just this great team of voiceover actors. And that was a lot of fun because it was just hearing them talking about their lives and how they get professional. But, um, other ones I did get to sit in on, I slid into the, uh, the game of Thrones panel and that was a lot of fun. But, um, the hall H paneling, I will say apart from like the big days that with the big powerhouses, Marvel and DC, a lot of people were disappointed in a lot of the panels, uh, because like teen wolf was hall H and that was shocking. I accidentally was in a Teen Wolf panel last year waiting to get into the the Luke Cage panel, holding my seat, and I was like, oh, man, this is the most miserable experience ever. Teen Wolf was Hall H this year. You're talking about the MTV show, The MTV right? show was Hall H. I was hoping you were going to say, oh, Michael J. Fox is coming back. Yeah, no, oh, my one? gosh. That, that's, that's something I would have That'd be Hall loved. H worthy. That'd be Hall H worthy. No, but, um, but yeah, no. And so uh, I also did the uh, the Marvel gaming panel. That was a lot of fun. Got to see the new Marvel vs. Capcom. They announced Gamora is going to be in the game. Uh, talked about the new Lego game. And then Marvel uh, Powers Unite through the Oculus Rift. They're really pushing out a lot of stuff. And then um, I got to, like I said, slid in because I have a professional badge. And if you're willing to be a little, not, I won't say shady, but a little creative, <laughs> you can slide into the back every once in a while as a professional. And so I got to see the, uh, the Thor Ragnarok trailer debut live which was just mind-blowing everyone probably ate that up didn't oh they? my gosh like it was about 15 seconds in where you just felt the whole room was hooked like there was not one person in the room who was texting after the first 15 seconds it was um it was different than the first trailer kind of taken it in a different direction than i thought they would and it looks a lot more fun yeah it looks like a really good because spoiler alert and super spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the Infinity War trailer, <laughs> that trailer opens with a frozen Thor floating through space and the Guardians of the Galaxy pick him up. So obviously Ragnarok does not end well, mm-hmm. would be my guess. And it looks like they're throwing a lot of cool stuff together. I don't know if I really liked that scene of Hulk and Thor sitting there talking and Hulk just being all chill. That kind of bugged me a little bit, and I don't know why. Maybe we can talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the rest of the trailer I thought was amazing. Yeah, no, that's the thing. It was all good. And then, but what's what is interesting, everyone goes to panels, but really I've found in the San Diego Comic-Con experience, 
panels eat up so much of your time. People waited in line for up to three days for Hall H panels. And if you're even in the smaller, uh, smaller air quotes, uh, ballroom 20 or the Indigo ballroom, you're still talking about four to five hours, six hours of waiting for one panel that you really want to see. You might get in a little early, but then again, like you're like, you're me like last year seeing Teen Wolf before Luke Cage. So panels, I, I didn't do as much of because I was about the experiences. And so, uh, like I got into Kevin Smith's, uh, uh, Jay and Silent Bob get old comedy show, which was an offsite thing. And, uh, the amazing thing about San Diego Comic-Con is the whole city is basically San Diego Comic-Con. You don't walk into a building that isn't doing San Diego Comic-Con stuff. So that was that was a highlight. I mean, uh, how was that? I've never seen that show before. I know was, they've been doing it in a while. It was great. No, it was a lot of fun. I got up on stage, made it on with them. Um, really fun. Kevin Smith is just a great storyteller, and it shows in a lot of his films. Um, but seeing it in person, like and Jason Muse, I love him to death. But like, you, like the show does not go on without Kevin Smith. It, Jason needs him. It's a wonderful thing they do it for his sobriety, for Jason's sobriety, and it, it's a really heartwarming thing. Uh, but I could listen and listen to Kevin Smith tell story for, stories for days. So that was that was great. Oh, I saw the uh, the Vikings funeral for the uh, the end of the Vikings TV show. Okay. That wrapped up. So the History Channel did a big thing where they burned a longboat out in the bay behind the convention center. And uh, the that's whole, pretty badass. Yeah, that's was, the kind of shit you don't see at Denver Comic Con. No, and the fact again, the city embraces it, and that's the other thing. There's different levels of embracing. Like New York does not embrace New York Comic Con. New York Comic Con is an island in a mega city, and if you're in costume six blocks away from the convention, everyone looks at you like you got two heads, and they have no idea what's going on. San Diego, everyone knows what's going on, and so for five hours, they carried around the body of Ragnar, which was this actor, not the original actor, but an actor strapped to a board, and these big burly Viking guys carried him around San Diego for five hours, just getting excitement for the big funeral procession that night, and so... Uh, yeah, so like I said, just hundreds of things happening, whether you're sitting in a panel or not, just constantly happening. I'm kind of with you. I don't know if I would wait in line for a panel because I didn't go to San Diego this year, but I was able to watch everything that day or minimally the day after. Yeah. Why not save the money, stay home? Or if you're going to go to San Diego Comic-Con, go there to do what you do and hang out and party with people and meet people and have fun. Don't spend six hours in line for shit, man. It's available. Now, if you couldn't see it for six months, absolutely. The psych panel, you're not going to be able to see that, I assume, for six months, like that 10 minutes of footage. Okay, maybe I would have waited for that. Mm -hmm. That's a good point because there is some stuff... Right now, I have no idea. I, su- I assume it's going to be pretty quick, but I haven't seen, you know, the Infinity War trailer and when's that going to be and things like Psych, where it's not, you know, the, the most popular fandom right now uh, because it's been over for a little while. And so, yeah, you do want to go and you want to You haven't see seen the Infinity War trailer because you didn't put in work, son. <laughs> and I think it's gone now. I, yeah, and Disney's I got, lawyers stamped that. I got, I got lucky and I watched a very shitty audience copy obviously taped at san diego mm-hmm. comic-con no doubt that it was and so i haven't seen a nice cleaned up like the justice league trailer version of it but no it was it was out there for a couple hours so why why sit in those lines and and then that becomes it because they have to compete with pirates too because there are those people who are gonna who are gonna hack it leak it record it and send it out so um it is just for the thrill and what i've found interacting with them the the reward is the swag bags Basically, it's, yeah, I waited three days, but I have blank item and blank item that they only gave out if you were at the Marvel panel. Oh. And it's those exclusive souvenirs that, that continue to incentivize it. But even that's not worth it for me. Because like I said, I could have been in line for Rick and Morty. And I made that decision. I was like, I could wait, but they're saying it's going to be three hours. I need to be three hours early to get into Rick and Morty. And that's still not guaranteeing me a spot at this panel. And I was like, ah, I'm just going to walk around. So I walk around and all of a sudden I'm in this line. Don't know what line this is. We're just kind of, cause again, there's a lot of people sarcastically reference San Diego comic con as line con, which I don't think is an exaggeration because you're always in a line. Even if you're leaving, you're like, well, this is the line to leave and this is the line to get in. And this is the line to move through these halls. But, uh, and so all of a sudden I'm standing next to Rob Paulson, voice of wacko. And all of a sudden I'm walking. I'm like, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. And I'm just hanging out and I was, I asked him for a picture. And again, I talked to him for 10 minutes about voice acting and tips and life and, that's what happens at San Diego Comic-Con if you're not just sitting in line. But again, 
uh, people in line for Hall H at uh, Sunday uh, had Castiel from Supernatural come and give them donuts. Benedict Cumberbatch swung by and just said hello to the people waiting in line. So San- magical things can happen everywhere at San Diego Comic-Con. It sounds like it. I, I want to go. I've just heard that my claustrophobia would not be the best Mm-mm. at San Diego Comic-Con. No. I I lost it at Denver this year. Not lost it, but I had to leave the floor for a little while. Denver was a great warm-up for me physically because I still get a little anxious in heavy crowds. Uh, so luckily I had that to, to go in, but you, yeah, it's it's not, it's not, if you're claustrophobic, it's not the con for you. I mean, I think you can definitely work enough to get through your fear of it. Uh, just to see some of the things, like if there's ever something that's really striking to you or if we ever get to go as media... It's an opportunity. I don't think we can pass up. Oh, I'm not saying I, I wouldn't go. <laughs> I've uh, I've been at the front of concerts in the middle of crowds. I, I can turn it off if I really can focus on something else. But waiting in a line is not something I can. I It took everything in my power at Weird Al. So. Yeah. There are times when it feels like uh, you're just out of control of your fate. And that's what's so funny. Like, all of a sudden, you're like, you're, in a, you're like, well, I can't go to the left and I need to go to the left. And security's yelling me for trying to go to the left. And all these people are pushing me to the right. So I guess I'm just going to see where San Diego Comic Con takes me. And now I'm out back and there are boats. And I have no idea where I am. Did you get to see Kevin's boat? I know he was on the so, IMDb So, oh, boat. man. So that was, that was another one of my ridiculous adventure stories. So a friend of mine that I was staying with knew a girl. And she knew the guy in charge of the wristbands of the IMDb boat. And so I at least got to see the boat. I saw the boat, didn't make it on the boat. And then later that guy was like, oh, you should have swung by. I can always get people in. But it was very much one of those retroactive, like, now that you haven't asked, I'm going to tell you I could have. <laughs> I hate that, man. Because oh, yeah. you're like, fuck you. If you could have got me in, you should have just, just said it. so. Yeah, yeah, don't tell me later after the party's <laughs> over, like, man, you could have gone to this awesome party had you asked. <laughs> I don't even know, man. I would, I would also be pissed. Yeah. But... Uh, it was just funny. But again, at the end of the day, San Diego Comic-Con is as much as you're willing to work for. I mean, I, I had a photo shoot with Yaya Han, and it was just by chance. I happened to know a photographer. He worked really hard to get a shot shoot with her. I showed up in case he needed a hand, ended up holding a reflector. And then by the end of it, they were like, let's get some shots together. And I can say, by chance, I had a shot with probably what many people believe to be one of the founders of cosplay as we know it. And uh, where do we get to see those? So it's coming out on my page, Captain K, within about the next three days. Keep your eyes peeled. It's going to be tagged wildly. I'm really excited about all of the content I generated from San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, I've started a, a new series called J. Jonah Jameson Not Having Fun. And there's like we've got a video of a girl dressed as Zatanna riding a carousel horse, and it pans over, and you see Harley Quinn riding, and then you see J. Jonah Jameson just frumping over in the corner to this joy. And so all so the series has begun. Uh, Sexy Gandalf. <laughs> counter protested those the, the 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 radical religious people that kind of protest outside the con that was a lot of fun generated some content with that because there's a group that just kind of counter counter protests and again i'm i'm not don't want to get political or anything especially here but i will say one sign says we hate you you're going to hell because you dress up and then there's other people going we think you're okay and like your cosplay i like one group better and so i helped them out and so <laughs> Why are they? What's what's the protest? What's the beef? Because I didn't see any protesters at DCC this no. year. No. Uh, so basically, uh, it's hard to get where their heads at. Like, because I've tried to engage them before, which is its own mistake, and trying to hear what they're having to say. But basically, they believe that costumed care people who dress up are worshiping false gods in their own way, and that it's the devil's temptation to dress up and pretend you're something else, and all this stuff about costumes being the devil's work. And again, at the end of the day, they're trying to be like, we'll lead you back to God. I'm like, but if I have to take off my Thor cape, that's not the way I want to go. Don't they put on a collared shirt and khakis to yeah. walk into their houses of worship every Sunday? Correct. They they dress, they dress up. up. They Don't you <laughs> wear something when you go to a wedding? Don't you wear certain clothes when you go certain places? Comic-Con is the perfect place to dress up like a comic book character. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. That's the thing. So I just wound up being sexy Gandalf, and I finished all their Bible quotes with Lord of the Rings passages. (laughs) And according to the organization that was counter-protesting them, they're like, that's the first time we saw anyone get under their skin. You had them. And so... That was they, a lot of fun. They really don't like it. And I learned this in college because we had people that, that would protest and scream, you know, hellfire. 
they don't like it when you know your shit. Exactly. And I grew up in the church. I've read the Bible. Mm-hmm. I'm very familiar with some of the things that says in there. So when things get misconstrued, I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not what happened. <laughs> and so they were so frustrated by having a naked Gandalf <laughs> that slightly resembled God in their book, quoting the Bible and turning the Lord of the Rings references. They were very frustrated because I would say in order, I know the Silmarillion and then the Bible pretty well. <laughs> so, oh, that's the other thing I had to tell you guys. So I'm going to be featured on Conan's podcast. Nice. This Wednesday. So you guys... Had me first. They have me a sexy gal. It's a brief thing. It's not like a major thing. But you guys get to say to Conan O'Brien, we thought of this first. Getting sexy Gandalf on our podcast. Yeah. I think Conan would be proud of us. I think so. I think maybe we should try to get Conan on our podcast. It's only fair. You know, now that Carl kind of knows Weird Al, that's what I'm going to be going for. <laughs> Done. That I'll put it on my to-do list. It's like a bounty. If I could yeah. sit down with anyone for an hour, he would be near the top of the list just so I could ask him about his writing process and how he's managed to stay funny and sober yeah. for 30 years Oh, my gosh. Years. And married. And, uh, and he seems very happily married. So happily married. And that's the thing. Although for me, it would be Hugh Jackman. Because the one person I've heard all celebrities that I hang out with that have met him, there's only one celebrity that celebrities fawn over, basically. And that is Hugh Jackman. And I was talking with, who was it? Oh, Sorinda Swan, who's going to play Medusa in Inhumans because I got kind of pushed off to the side of the Marvel booth while I was Jameson. And all of a sudden, I'm surrounded by Ramsey and Sorinda Swan and Black Bolt. And I'm like, what is happening? And Marvel had basically forgotten about that I was there. I was not supposed to be there, but I didn't sneak in. They're like, you stay here. And then forgot about me. And then they brought in this cast. So I'm talking to Sorinda Swan. Everyone, all these people go, the one person that I met is Hugh Jackman. That really, I remember. They're like, you see him smile on TV? And you get that warm feeling. He smiles in front of you. Chords of Angels starts. Just this beaming ray of sunlight. So that's my pick. Weird Al, I've done it now, so I don't think I can pick him. I'd love to have uh, Jackman on only to ask him about, there's a clip in a documentary where they ask him about what his dream role would be. And he says Jason Voorhees. And immediately <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, what? Where's the follow-up question? Yeah, well, and then, no, yeah, the documentary cuts to something else. Oh, and I was man. like, oh, my God, if I ever had a chance to talk to Hugh Jackman, I, it would all be Friday the 13th questions, maybe like one Wolverine. But it would all be <laughs> Friday the 13th uh, questions for him. Yeah, he'd be uh, he'd be great to, to come on. Any other crazy celebrity encounters that you had? I know you have 100 a con. So, so my favorite, one of my favorites was uh, – the guy, and I, I hate, again, if, if next time we'll do it like a week after San Diego Comic-Con, so my brain's still working, I can remember names, but the guy who plays Argus Filch in uh, Harry Potter and played Frey in Game of Thrones, stringy-haired, older British guy, he was staying in my hotel, and so the, one of my favorite experiences was being caught sneaking out late at night by Argus Filch in real life, because I'm walking down the hallway, dressed as Spike, and all of a sudden he's like, what are you doing? And I was like... I'm just heading out. He's like, it's late. David Bradley. David Bradley. Well done. That guy. So that was a fun, goofy, random one. Uh, Cast of Inhumans was cool. Uh, So many happened this year. Again, yeah, talking with Rob Paulson was was really cool. Um, Oh, yeah, I saw the side of Chris Hemsworth's head from about 18 feet away. (laughs) That guy, uh, Mark Ruffalo and Chris Hemsworth were just getting off the stage before I was supposed to meet with a couple people at the Marvel booth. And so Mark Ruffalo was there, and I didn't see him at first because he is way shorter in real life than I had thought. Is he really? He's, again, like he might have been hunched over a little bit, but I am considerably taller than him to the point where uh, he was about four feet away from me and kind of slid out. And I only noticed at the last second because I was like, oh, you got to look down. There's Mark Ruffalo. But still, wonderful guy. and was super friendly, being so good with fans, engaging them. Uh, and then Chris Hemsworth walks by, but Chris Hemsworth constantly had a team of like 18 people around him and you could tell half of them were there to make sure that no one went near him. And the other half were there to make sure he stayed in the PR Disney view. Like, they're like we're going to make sure that there's no article that says Chris Hemsworth takes off his shirt and gets drunk at San Diego comic-con. So then, because that was one of the interesting things about seeing those, those A-listers that they, they're flashing the pan, they're in, they're out and they're surrounded by people. It's like being a zoo animal. If you're A-list at San Diego comic-con. So yeah, they probably don't spend much time there besides the panel, and uh, you know, wait for the trailer reaction and then leave, and then get back to your hotel room so that you can stop paying so much for security. There was a video though of Halle Berry chugging half a pint of whiskey <laughs> at San Diego Comic Con. I don't remember what it was for, but <laughs> I don't See, remember what it was for thing. either. 
They're tr- and that's the thing. And so if she ever was working as a Marvel character, I guarantee that video is not going to happen again. But, uh, but yeah, no, that was interesting. Uh, but that's the thing, like, just here, like, I had a friend who's uh, just at a bar, and all of a sudden Sansa, Sansa Stark was there. And they're like, yeah, I was, I was talking with her and one of the girls from Walking Dead, and uh, we had drinks with them. And that's San Diego Comic-Con is people, like, because they want to live, too, and they want to have life. And the other thing is it's very easy to overlook them because, first of all, they look different in real life compared to the, the perfect image that is portrayed. Because, again, even with Weird Al, I've met him twice, and I still had to be like, that guy has weird, oh, wait, that's him. And so that happens a lot. A lot of them can fly under the radar. The whole Vikings cast was in a bar drinking, and it took them about two hours to be noticed. For people were like, "Wait, wait, wait a minute! It's those guys from the Vikings show." Well, and especially at you know San Diego Comic Con, where there is people cosplaying, and they do look like these mm-hmm. people. You might catch someone who is just you know super accurate, like yep. People were mistaking you for Weird Al. That could have totally happened. <laughs> That's next year. I'm bringing my Weird Al just to see what security I can get through. <laughs> was he just there as a guest? I assume. Yeah, yeah. He I wasn't... wonder if he's just doing his con tour this year and then gonna kind of take some time off because that's how it sounded when he did his last album. It was like, okay, guys. Yeah. And he said that he talked about that when I was there. He was like, because I was asking him about, you know, what's he gonna do next? Because I, I, I didn't want to be that fan, be like, when are you gonna make the next one? Because I'm sure he's heard that way too much. Instead, I was like. Well, I'd heard you mentioning how you liked to be able to release singles, especially while they were topical. That one of the worst parts about having a, an album contract was going, I'm stuck in this album and I have this song I want to release now and my company's not letting me until the whole album's done. And so I was like, well, he's like, he's like, right now I'm just enjoying being out of my contract. It's really nice to be not contractually obligated to do things. And so it's going to be there. I, th- I don't think he can't stop, but I think he's, he's happy for his break. So was his the last album he did? Was that kind of the last album he had to do for that label? Yep. I'd never heard that. Yeah, like a, I don't remember however albums, many albums he made. That was the full contract. It was a thirteen album or whatever contract he had with that record company. And he said, on one hand, it's it's it, at first it seems great because you're like, great if I have a bad album, I have to make another one. Like I'm contractually obligated. It doesn't matter how many bad ones I release. But on the other hand, he was like, but I was not free as an artist until X amount of albums were made, which was. Because that's the thing, like, at the at the Salt Lake panel, he was talking about how he could be more honest and open about things he didn't like. You know, his least favorite song, Girls Want, I don't, uh, Girls Want to Have Lunch. He was like, I hate that song. Didn't want to write it. They made me do it. They basically wrote it for me. And you can even hear it when I sing it, how much I did not like doing it. I hate that song, too. Yeah. I, I do not think it was, it's one of his best. No, and he does not either. And he gets to say so now. And so maybe he will... Uh... I can't believe he doesn't have his own. He's going to do his own label, correct? Oh, I mean, yeah. Anything he releases I going forward is going to be his. It's right? going to be his. It's just going to go straight, and I think it's going to be digital download. I don't think he's going to. He may or may not even do anything physical anymore. I think it's going to largely be I'm going to put a song out. You pay your 99 cents, get the song. Uh, especially because, like I said, he was so focused on missing out on chances to be topical. And, and he said, especially with the internet age, when you can be so instant, you write it, you produce it, you get it out. It's there in people's hands. He said, I kept missing out on that. He said, a lot of my songs, I think, would have been more noticed if I could have been, it's only a week after Party in the USA came out, here's Party in the CIA, while you're all still humming that song. Instead, you wait seven months. And he got in trouble, correct me if I'm wrong, not really in trouble, but when he tried to do It's Pitiful, mm-hmm. the James Blunt parody, that does not appear on any Weird Al album or the box set. And I remember it coming out near the beginning of digital music, like Napster style. Mm-hmm. And now it's not, you can find it. I mean, cause you can find anything, yep. but that's gone. So when he did try to be topical, I think James Blunt jumped right down his throat to fuck you, James. So Blunt. the story, yeah, exactly. No, I'd like to take, this is not quite the Coolio story though. Cause apparently, uh, James Blunt originally gave permission as always. Weird Al got permission, wrote the song, but it was the record company, Columbia, I think from James Blunt that went, whoa, 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 this song says you're pitiful. And they didn't even read the lyrics to hear the song and assumed it was about James Blunt. And so like, you can't talk about our singing that way and we're not gonna let you talk about this and make a negative and associated with the song. So they came in with a hammer. And so at first, he, Weird Al released it for free. He was like, you're right, I won't, I won't charge it. But there's nothing legally stopping me from releasing it for free. It's a parody, I can release it for free. And so that's how it kind of originally got released. But for a while, I went to the concert right after that and he had he pulled out a shirt while he sang it in concert that just said basically like, you know, take this Columbia on his shirt. It was great. But. Okay, so I do remember getting it digitally, so I was correct there. I don't remember it being free, but uh, that does make sense. And yeah. then he did um, 
was Don't Download This Song. That wasn't on an album either, was it? That was on um, Poodle Hat, I want to say. Okay. I, I, I just don't remember so. that being on, on an album. I also remember that being kind of something that came off as a, as yeah. a one-off. Exactly. No, honestly, and, and, and that uh, album before last, you released the first six songs one at a time digitally with a special negotiation, but they wouldn't let him do all of them or when you wanted to. But yeah, no. So Weird Al, Weird Al is the man, gentleman and a scholar. And again, you get to run into him just hanging out. Cause that's the other thing. San Diego Comic-Con convention floor closes at seven. I still didn't get into my hotel room until two to 3 AM on an average day because walking around the streets of San and Diego, you don't drink. I don't drink at all. No, that's what extra, that's what people are extra, you know, confused about. And so I'm walking around stone cold, sober, still dressed up as a character. And so extra confusing, but sober people on the streets of San Diego late at night see the coolest things. I believe it. <laughs> I want to make sure, I don't know what time we're at right now, but we have to talk a little bit about the Stranger Things trailer. Oh my gosh. It, I, I want it. I just, I don't want to wait. I get the theme of releasing it in October. It's our creepy month. It's a spoopy month, but I want it now. And I hear it's mostly done. Oh, I'm sure it's completed. It's like in the can. Why are you making me wait? October's a perfect month to, to watch it is. that. You are going to get all the episodes in one day. So if you do want to sit down and binge it, you're, you're allowed to do it. I think it looked very, uh, it looked, it looked different. I think they went a little bit away from trying to be, they're still keeping a lot of the same feel, obviously. And you still have uh, the upside down. And so, but it definitely looked much more, I don't know, extreme. Expansive. Yeah, we're getting a huge villain, supposedly, that it looks like. And all sorts of things are happening in the world. And everyone's experiencing this. Instead of just these tiny little things happening with this monster that didn't show up until the last episode of the season or the last couple episodes. No, and I like how they're not hung up in the mythos of the un, of the upside down. I love it, of course, and I could explore that for years. But I like how they're going, no, 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 we're up in the ante. And that's what it felt like. Everything is plus 10. Uh, and I also like, it's a silly thing, but it's important with shows like this that I'm sure the producers were excited about. No like awkward growth spurts from any of the kids. They all still looked like kids. That was cool. That's a very good point because just like, I mean, they can't really, I guess they can do kind of like Harry Potter, but yeah, those kids are going to get older. Yep. It's happening. And they looked almost exactly the same, I, I think. Yeah. None it, of them looked different. No. I don't know what they're feeding them, but. I was going to wonder the same thing. Yeah. What are they feeding them? <laughs> I mean, none of them look different. No. And I mean, it's, it wasn't that long. The first season came out end of last year, right? Or was it before that? Mid last year? Somewhere. I honestly can't remember. Things run together so much that I know we're we're honestly getting. It seems as I get older, and maybe it's just my perception growing older that we're getting much more engrossed in media because it's so much more accessible, and there are so many more people who are able to afford to make it at mm-hmm. such a high quality. Mm-hmm. So we're just getting bombarded with so many good you know, media experiences. And I think, that's yeah. Good. What did I tell you? I watched 40 trailers from San yeah. Diego comic-con last night yeah. just to research for today's show. Yeah. And there's so much of it. I mean, oh, yeah. everything had a uh, San Diego exclusive launch trailer, San Diego exclusive this. So, and that was, I finally got to seem cool to my parents because trying to explain my convention lifestyle again, they're the most supportive, sweet people in the world, but that doesn't mean they always get, you know, the scope or the size of what I'm doing. But this time they're like, I kept seeing San Diego Comic-Con and the crawler on the news. You are where the big deal is. And I was like, yeah, that's right. They're like every time, Stranger Things, San Diego Comic-Con, Hey Arnold movie. They said it was San Diego. I was like, like, like I was part of it really being released just because I was there. So that was, that was fun. But everything, video games, I mean, it's become the pop culture. It's not a Comic-Con anymore. I'll tell you that. It's, I can't. Like there isn't a large uh, panel room that has a comics-based panel anymore. It's movies, it's TV, it's video games, it's toys, it's everything. Like I remember the, there was something about articulating ball joints on dolls that was in a bigger room than uh, artistry in the comics through the 80s. And I was like, what? It's, it, which, which con is this? And they're so worried about the licensing of Comic Con. Do you think we ever will get just San Diego pop culture con? 
I, you know, I don't think they will at this point after all the money they've put into lawyers to defend Comic Con as a name. But it's what they should do. I think. I mean, again, that's just to be where it is. It's honest. People will still show up. It's not like anyone goes, "I'm going for Comic Con." If it becomes, you know, PopCon International, people are still going to show up. I definitely think that would have benefited Denver a lot. Denver Pop Culture mm-hmm. Con or Denver Pop Culture Comic Con, even Denver yeah. Pop Culture Classroom Comic Con. Well, and DCCCCCCC. <laughs> <laughs> and that's part of you know they they're supported by and they help support pop culture classroom and yep. so it would have made so much sense to me to be PopCon. that's the thing and it's just it's it's, it's it rolls off the tongue yeah you lose your one whole syllable too so I'd, I'd i'd do it i'd push him to do it but yeah that was the other thing i was noting i was like man i i can't tell you much about the newest direction of dc comics or dark horse comics they were there had in booths but all, but I can tell you about where Nintendo's at. I can tell you about the latest DC trailer and their costumes. But I comics. If you had any, if you, if either you said what's happening or what did they say about the direction of blank, I'd be like, mm. what did you hear about DC's? Uh, what is it? Dark Knight Metal series. Mm-hmm. I heard that maybe there's gonna be Batman's in it. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's it's about, about it. <laughs> The real important thing, though, is besides meeting Weird Al and having an amazing weekend, you got to play Super Mario Odyssey, and Ooh. I want to hear about that. Okay, so yeah, so this has to be prefaced for those who don't know me, that I am a Nintendo junkie. Got a Super NES when I was seven, and I've I had every Nintendo console since, every single one. Uh, and playing it, like I got it in my hands, waited in line, and I did this preview night. This is how important it was to me. I did the Marvel uh, Powers Unite Ocular, Oculus Rift and then went right over the Nintendo booth. And that was the only two things I did preview night. And went there, played it. And I can tell any fan of the Mario franchise that this is one of the sharpest, most polished games I've ever seen from Nintendo while still feeling like, I mean, I like I didn't have to be explained. I was like, well, here's, that's, how, yep, that's how you long jump. You can triple jump still. You wall jump. You climb up here. The mechanics are all there. So your years, anyone who has years of Mario puzzle solving, feels like you're jumping right into the next chapter of Mario's gamescape. But meanwhile, I did play the new city level. Like you could choose between, I think it was like a Sandy castle level or the city levels. Like, ah, I got to see the city level and it's amazing and immersive and gigantic. And it's, it's everything wonderful about Mario 64 and it's everything wonderful about how uh, sunshine took a new spin and then it's just polished. You never once feel frustrated about the controls. I got to play for about 20 minutes. Never once went, ah, why isn't it Why isn't it working? And you get to do goofy things because that's what I love about Nintendo is there's so much about good energy, fun things. What a lot of people like go, oh, that's stupid. I'm like, yeah, but it's fun. It's stupid fun. You get to dress Mario up. You walk into a costume shop and walk out as gangster Mario in a pinstripe suit with a fedora. I love that. And I assume Gangster Mario can do things that regular Mario can't, like get places he can't. So, just- so what's funny is I didn't get to control Gangster Mario. The, I was with uh, the cosplayer Legend of Kendra, and she was in a different direction than I was. Because here I was like, how many of these moons can I collect? And so I'm going through and doing all the missions hardcore. And she's over here just like exploring at a, at a, at a, again, a gamer. She's a gamer, but she had a different priority. And so all of a sudden she's in the shop, and I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm changing costumes. I'm like, wait, well, how do you do that? I mean, I'm up on top of a skyscraper trying to chase this flagpole moon. And she's like, are you going here? And so I didn't get to control Gangster Mario. I have no, I can't confirm he has special abilities, but uh, I know he exists. So when they let you play the city level, is it just a giant open world that mm-hmm. you go? It's like a hub. You can go to different missions and things. Or you said there's also a sand level. So yeah, I'm just kind of curious how all this is going to work. Is it like Mario Galaxy? So I don't know what they didn't have in the demo was uh, how do you get to these places? Basically, it was a demo version where it's like jump into the world. No menu, none of that business. But uh, for the way it worked for this is I landed in the city world and I didn't have to do anything. I could go wherever I wanted. But there's two guys chatting, and of course, the gamer in you is encouraged to talk to one of these two people. And they go, oh, Mayor Rosalina. Rosalina makes a return, spoiler alert, as the mayor of this city. and uh, Or not Rosalina, uh, Pauline. Pauline. Pauline, from yeah, Kong. from Donkey Kong. So rolling way back. So Pauline makes a visit. She's the mayor of this town. So the guy's like, Mayor Pauline's upset. Someone should check in with her. And you don't have to. And you can collect lots of these moons without ever talking to Mayor Pauline. But if you do, you find she needs a band, and you can explore the city and find all these things. But uh, there's all, there was already a, uh, several different mechanics. Like you can turn into electric Mario and jump through uh, 
power lines and use those to travel between zones. And it was just, again, it was random, inex- not explained at all, but so much fun. I'm looking forward to it. And in a year that we've got the games that we have gotten, that has the potential to do an upset on Zelda or Horizon mm-hmm. Zero Dawn, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And it won't be the first time Mario has topped my list <laughs> since we've done BitFaced. I'm a big Mario fan, so I'm I'm glad that you uh, that you came back with uh, with news that the game is excellent. I don't get to play it until October, unless I guess it shows up at a at a convention that we go to. But I'm glad to hear that the game's good. What else? Do you see anything in Nintendo you can spoil or? Um, so I can't. I, again, nothing really like spoilerific that I saw that isn't already hitting the internet. But I did get to play uh, Rabbids Kingdom or whatever the Mario Rabbids crossover, which I, despite my Nintendo fandom, I'm burnt out on Rabbids. Like I saw that announcement, I was like, "Oh, I'm so tired of Rabbids." But I had the pleasure of sitting with the developer because I complimented a girl in a Magneto costume, and she was like, "Oh, thanks." And she comes back later, is like, "You were really nice to me." She has an Italian accent. She's like, "You're really nice to me. This is my brother." And he's like, "Yes, hello. I developed this game. Do you mind if I sit and play it with you? I'd love to see your reactions. I did most of the animations." And I'm like, "Absolutely." So I'm sitting with the developer in the demo chair after waiting in line. And he's sitting by me. He's like, "Oh, now, now watch this. Now, if you go through here." The one problem about playing, the producer then showed up too, and they're all like, here's how you get through this really quickly, and watch out for this, and here's how to cheat. And I'm like, well, guys, let me play. Let me play. But playing it, again, it was, it's a strategy game that unlike anything I've ever played before. Like, I'd like to associate it to something, but it's not even like Fire Emblem turn-based. It's not, it's not like anything I've played before. And the Rabbids actually are one of the best parts. They all have unique personalities for the first time as long as I can remember. You can actually tell your Rabbids you play as a part. So that one I'm looking forward to. Um, got to get my hands on ARMS. Uh, How is that? I'm really not interested in it. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's not something I'm going to rush out to buy, perfectly honest, but... I, I understand what Nintendo is going for and can see the appeal. Basically, I don't have time to get good at it, but it, it looks an inch deep, but it's actually a very complicated strategic game. To play this game well, there's so much physicality and brain work that goes into it. The problem is, is I don't like the brain work part when I play video games. I like puzzles. I'll solve your puzzles, but I have to figure out all these combinations and stuff. I'm like, ah, I'm out of here. But, uh, it is addictively fun. There's team fights. There's co-op. And that's the thing I like. A lot of the Nintendo games, I think this might be a spoiler because I was told by the producer and it was not announced at the con, uh, Rabbids Kingdom has co-op, couch co-op. And uh, they're making a big push. They're saying Nintendo's trying to make a return to some couch co-op games. Still having internet interactivity, but you look at, I mean, like I know if, if my internet goes down at my house, I'm not playing Overwatch. I'm not playing Smash Bros. Online. I'm not. There's so much I'm not doing anymore. So to have a franchise that said at this gaming lounge that they want to make a focus on playing with your friends on a couch as much as across the country is really refreshing to me. And I think that makes a lot of sense. The direction they went with the switch, making it so capable to be portable and to bring Mm -hmm. over and to say, Hey, you know, I've just got my controllers E and I know you've got a switch. Now I can just come up and sync my controllers to your switch. We could set it on a table at a picnic or do whatever. And we could just play together. So, and you know, the game I did not get to even get close to touching was Splatoon 2 because the splash it was making at that convention, it had lines around the building to play constantly. Everyone was addicted with playing Splatoon 2 there. Was the the whole big three there? Was Microsoft and Sony? Did they have booths as well? If they did, I never saw them. Um, just I'm just curious. Yeah, no, like Nintendo made a bigger show of it. Like they were right next to Blizzard. Blizzard had their usual corner, and then right across from that corner was Nintendo. And so that's my son. And I was like, great. And they're like, yeah, by the way, we're over at the Marriott outside of the convention center with our gaming lounge. And so that's how I found it. If I, I'm, I'm sure they were there. Good chance. I'm like, I had people like I was featured by cosplay in America as Jameson. And they're like, come by our booth. And I never found it. Kept looking, never found it. This happens at San Diego <laughs> Comic-Con a lot. I'm glad you got a lot of good professional experience at the con, though. It sounds like oh, it was a, goodness. it was a windfall for you. It was, it really was. Cause again, uh, there was a bonus of I purposely brought Jameson and Sex Gandalf back for for brand notoriety because I had people who saw Jameson, Jameson especially. People were like we're buying him a drink. I don't drink, so I just take it and hand it to someone else. And I was an extra hero. But uh, Jameson was big. People would be like, I remember this guy. Everyone. It was so cool to be remembered. So with that, the opportunities arose for other people to take notice. And Sexy Gandalf, I brought on Saturday for Max Exposure because I just finished uh, his parody video. 
And I was hoping to do some promotion for that. And the morning of Saturday, everyone has somewhere to go. So I was just kind of standing around. I was like, no one, no one likes Dexter Gandalf anymore. And then all of a sudden that first two hours of hecticness rose down. And all of a sudden I was like, oh wait, no, here I am. Celebrity's back. And then again, I like a lot of people are calling me like, you're, you're like the equivalent of the New York naked cowboy for us. New York has the cowboy. We have sexy Gandalf. It's like, okay, good. <laughs> okay, good. So that helps. But uh, I really struck a good chord this year because then I um, brought Flynn as my debut. And not only is Disney huge in San Diego, I noticed this last year when I had a friend dressed as Ariel and she did not move. And it was, I mean, she's an amazing cosplayer, but it's not like you're never going to see an Ariel, especially two hours away from Disneyland. But everyone was like, ah, Ariel. So I was like, I'm going to bring a Disney character. And so that was my perfect trifecta. I had. Jameson for the fans, Gandalf for the laughs, and then Flynn with my best Zachary Levy impression uh, for the kids. And so I kind of hit like every demographic of San Diego got to enjoy Captain K to a degree. I can't wait to see. I know there's a lot of stuff you haven't released yet. Yeah. So, and I know it's I know it's coming. I know. I'm here instead. You're delaying my release. <laughs> You're like, I should be working on my real shit, not slumming it with you fucks. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> just remember this. No, I'm so glad to be here. Couldn't be more excited. No, we're always happy to uh, to have you here. We have to talk about the uh, the Justice League trailer. Mm. I didn't think I could hate Ezra Miller anymore as the Flash, <laughs> and then they showed me that trailer where he's like, "I've never been in a fight. I just pushed somebody once." <laughs> They're allowed to do what they want with the character. I want a cocky Michael Rosenbaum esque Wally West. I want a real Flash, not the wimp of the team. The rest of the trailer I thought was really cool. Aquaman looks great. Yeah, Aquaman looks really good. I definitely agree with your assessment of Ezra Miller as the Flash because seriously, like he's he's becoming the underplayed character. And like out of all of this, people used to make fun of you know Aquaman. Yeah, uh, and so it's they're maybe they're trying to just shift that dynamic or something. But. Uh, even even back then, when Aquaman got all the hate, he was he's crazy powerful. So I can see it. I think I think they just needed to if they're trying to touch Marvel, <laughs> they need to maybe they're trying to get funny with Flash or something. But they need to make Justice League feel as powerful as Justice League should. And that's the thing. If I if I diagnose the big problem I have with DC films right now, it's that they don't go. How can we represent the spirit of the character in film? That's what Marvel does. Marvel goes, we have Captain America. He's been popular for 90 years. How can we put that 90 years on screen? We'll update it, but we're keeping the spirit. DC seems to sit down and go, how do we transform this character that's been beloved for 100 years into something that can be funny on screen or entertaining on screen? Because even Aquaman, Aquaman looks amazing. But it's not my Aquaman that I grew up with. It's not the spirit of Aquaman. Again, because again, Aquaman was badass. I'm not taking that away from him. But to me, watching him, I'm like, this is a different character. He is the he is like the roguish, I'm going to... And again, wonderful performance, wonderful character, not Aquaman. Flash was the same way. I was like, this is not my Flash. This was them sitting down going, what kind of character type can Flash fill versus what? how can we present the Flash? And even Wonder Woman. Um, I loved Wonder Woman. It was charming, and the character they gave us was beautiful and feminine and naive as well as powerful and badass and masculine at times such a complex character and what what worries me about that trailer was again it seems we have a colder wonder woman a little more mature a little less and again we have to because it's been i mean she's been around for 90 years technically or however long in, since then in the comics or since then since her first movie but still it, it really hurt my feelings to go this movie i loved cannot be reproduced by dc anymore that character is now in this place that's a different place. So all of these characters, I, there's not a character. And again, Batman's spirit seems to still be missing because of Batman vs Superman. And they don't seem to be repairing it with anything I've seen in the trailers. It's really early to say that, but as a hardcore Batman fan, Affleck's performance was fine as written to me, but the writing missed the mark. And so what one thing, maybe I'll start enjoying these movies more if I stop comparing it to the comics. And maybe that's what I just need to start doing. But to me, DC needs to earn that from me by showing they can do the characters first and then give me spins because that's what Marvel did with Homecoming. Marvel, or Spider-Man Homecoming, that was not the comics. You know, the characters had transformed. I shouldn't say that. The spirit's still there. But, you know, like we have new characters. New, you know, like like I have a brother's like, where was Gwen Stacy and, you know, etc. This was an updated, accurate world because high school in Queens is not going to be an all-white high school. 
we should know this. And they changed it, but they kept the spirit. But they proved before that we can do the spirit. So I don't know. It doesn't I, mean that Gwen doesn't exist. No. We got to see Betty Brant at the yeah. end of that film. Yeah, that's and, right. And that doesn't mean Gwen doesn't exist. And I don't want to go off on Homecoming because I no, I, I did. I got all distracted on how good it was. Now, do we assume at the end of the Justice League trailer that Superman shows up at the Batcave? Yeah. Yeah. Or is that Jurassic Park? <laughs> that's what I thought. Alfred's I was like, hanging at Jurassic Park. <laughs> Well, I was wondering, I was like, oh my gosh, what's stomping around? What's doing this? It's got to be some giant villain. And then he's like, I was told you would come. And I'm just like, oh gosh, it's Superman. I had some people at San Diego Comic-Con trying to say they thought it might be Green Lantern for uh, for hit off. But what I heard also is that uh, they're doing massive reshoots for Justice League still. And one of the big problems they're having is editing out Henry Cavill's mustache. Right, because he has a mustache for Mission Impossible 6. Yes. And he has to go back and do the reshoots of Superman. And so they they have to take him with, like, Justice League is done, or was supposed to be. He's shooting MI6 now. Yeah. That's the character he's playing, so that's got to wreak havoc on him as an actor. Him as an actor. And I would be so stressed out, because... Just, Fucking Burt Reynolds Superman, that would be great, right? I, I would pay money to see it. Maybe that's, that's the fix they need. But no, as a cosplayer, I get stressed out with my facial hair. Like to, like for this con, I was like, I have to do Flynn on Sunday to try and grow out a goatee the four days I'm there because I'm starting off with Clean Shaven Spike. So I couldn't imagine what it would be like to stack your schedule over months and go, this should be done. I should be moved on. And now my mustache is a problem. And they're telling me how it's costing, you know, another extra several million dollars to edit out my damn mustache. I'm losing my mind. And I also, a lot of people were speculating that the scene with Flash on the roof and Commissioner Gordon was, oh, that's got to be, that's Joss. I've confirmed that scene was shot over a year ago. Mm. One of my buddies was on set. Mm-hmm. Not really a buddy, but somebody I read was on set. And, uh, <laughs> Don't worry, we can, I call her down my friend. You can call him your friend. I call him my. I call him my friend. But yeah, so that's not Joss bringing a terrible joke, which I thought was awful. We've seen that joke already done in a DC movie. Chris Nolan did it in the mm-hmm. third Batman flick. I wasn't impressed with that. It may be because I hate Ezra Miller as the Flash so much. <laughs> I'm still looking forward to the film. I'm really curious to see what Joss is going to bring to it. I don't mm-hmm. think we're ever going to know though, because I think they might have started on a different wavelength than they did with batman versus superman i think they knew at that point after suicide squad kind of bombed they better make the dc universe a little bit of a happier place to be have fun well that's kind of what i think failed suicide squad for me is they tried to bring in too many one-liner jokes instead of just being suicide squad so it's they're in a really tough place because you have people who enjoy the comedy of Marvel and you know, you have DC who who's comic wise generally much darker and much more serious than, than uh, a lot of Marvel, not all of Marvel. There's a lot of serious stuff in Marvel. I'm not going to look at you daredevil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Defenders trailer. We need to talk about that. Good mm. God. Mm. Uh, Sigourney Weaver. Mm. But yeah, you're saying, yeah, sorry. But, <laughs> oh, no, no problem. I, basically all I'm saying is like DC is, is finding it hard to kind of capture what they think the fans want. And when they try to capture what they think the fans want, they're taking away from what it should be as an interpretation of the comic book universe that they've created. Well, and that, and again, a lot goes back to dark Knight. Because we had a movie that was phenomenal. I mean, to me, probably the best superhero movie of all time is The Dark Knight. And DC went, oh, that's how you make successful movies. You make them gritty. They didn't go, which they should have, go, Batman is a gritty crime thriller of a movie. They stuck true to the vibe of the comics, even if it's just the spirit and vibe, no general actual reproduced story. And so when Man of Steel came out and we had this dark Superman and Superman was always supposed to be, I'm like, you play DCU online and Metropolis is always day and Gotham is always night. And I feel that's a very good analysis of these cities and their heroes. So when you had Gritty Superman, I remember watching Man of Steel. I walked out of the theater and went, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, you're that fine. was supposed to still be on silence. But um, at least it's Jarvis, so I feel it's part of the theme. But uh, no, so I was so frustrated walking out of the theater of Man of Steel. I was like, if that is how gritty Superman is, how do you make a grittier Batman? And they tried to do it in Batman vs. Superman. And so all of a sudden we had this like, I'm just going to kill everyone, including Superman, Batman. And we learned that there is, you hit bedrock eventually. 
you can't keep getting grittier. And unfortunately, that seems to be the direction until Suicide Squad. They did that, and that's what worries me. Suicide Squad was not great, and then they did the reshoots, and I feel that you had a mixed movie and a mixed message. And that's what I'm worried Justice League is turning into with these massive reshoots. It's going to feel like one movie half the time and another movie the other half, and we're going to feel like we're straddling a fence in the most uncomfortable way. Director, too, is leaving, not leaving, he wasn't signed on for Suicide Squad 2, but he is helming the Gotham City Sirens flick. Mm. So he's going to go do the the Harley uh, Poison Ivy. Is it Harley Poison Ivy and Catwoman, Catwoman, Catwoman movie? Yep. Uh, so yeah, he's he's taken off for uh, for that. But I thought the Defenders looked amazing. It almost made me want to go back and watch Iron Fist. Uh, almost. So yeah, almost. <laughs> I'm I'm not through any of those series because I still have to watch Daredevil season two. I have to finish Jessica Jones, and I haven't even started Luke Cage. The last episode of season two of Daredevil has one of the best comic book comic book esque scenes mm-hmm. I have ever seen. In a television or movie, it's a goosebump scene. It was one of those where I was like, fuck yes, dude, just cheering. And they set up the pins the whole season for yeah, that. Daredevil they do. season two is one of the best television shows. And again, and then Luke Cage came out, and I was in love with Luke Cage. Um, and again, I was I was part of the disappointed Iron Fist crowd, but it was only because like all I needed to be sold was even just great fight scenes along Daredevil. Every episode could have been a 48 minute fight scene. I would have been fine watching Iron Fist that way. But we didn't get that. The fight scenes weren't great. And so, but what I like about it is I, I have more faith in Finn Jones than that series led a lot of people to have. And seeing them together, just seeing the vibe, watching how the formula they did in the movies can so far appear to be reproduced with their Netflix series. I have never had more faith in Marvel than I do after San Diego Comic-Con. What about Gifted? Um, you see the trailer for Gifted? Yeah. Very interesting choice of uh, of mutants mm-hmm. and very interesting direction. I, I will watch the trailer. It did not really excite me too much, though. It looks... After Legion, yeah, I really expected the X-Men TV shows. I was like, they can do whatever the hell they want. And Legion proved it. Yeah, They can do whatever they want. Why are you doing um, a traditional... It's a very traditional X-Men story is what it looks yeah. like. I still think in comparison, because their first trailer that uh, came out, I wasn't excited at all for. And going to kind of watch some of the trailers to talk about them in this particular episode, um, I actually, I really did enjoy both the Inhumans and the Gifted trailers. I think they look like a fun way to kind of even start blending more TV shows at some point than, you know, Inhumans really raised the bar with their, with their trailer. I feel that it went from kind of like, well, I'll watch it cause it's Marvel. I'll make sure I see the pilot when I first heard about it to after that trailer, I was like, okay, I'm tuning in. I, I my interest was peaked. You do make a good point about the traditional uh, approach to gifted. And I, I it, 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 that is exactly how it reads to me. But again, since even though Legion proved you can really adventure out, you can branch out and succeed as long as you're telling a good story. There is, there is, maybe there might be that audience out there that's going, "I wish we had a more traditional X Men, though." That's really good because, to be fair, apart from a couple of the the like reboot trilogy, like I like uh, First Class and uh, Days of Future Past, I did not enjoy the first original trilogy at all. I loved Hugh Jackman, I loved Patrick Stewart, I loved Ian McKellen, but the stories they told never engaged me. And so there might be that person out there and there's that part in me that goes, well, if they can do like that, if I feel the X-Men spirit done well, that traditional, just that, just the same thing again, but not a cartoon, maybe I'll like it. My biggest problem with the trailer was they started rattling off names and they were like Polaris, Thunderbird, Blink. And then they're like Steve Johnson and <laughs> Chloe Johnson. I was like, well, who th- I, I get it. They don't have their names yet, but don't, then don't introduce them and, in the, yeah. don't put them in the superhero lineup. I was like, who? No, yeah, we're in an age of DLC. You can just put a silhouette with a question mark on it be, and more soon. Yeah, and obviously those kids are going to be the, the focal point of at least the first season of the story. I'll watch it. it, it it's not doing for me what Legion did, even trailer-wise. I think one of my favorite trailers... Um, kind of was kind of shocking and I, I figured it out this is where the panel where Halle Berry chugged mm-hmm. her whiskey um it, it it's a sequel to a movie that I kind of went to haphazardly and I ended up loving and that's Kingsman 
Which looks great. Kingsman looks yeah. great. I loved I loved the vibe, loved the energy, and that's a movie that I always call it Pirates of the Caribbean syndrome when a movie goes downhill on its sequel really fast. When they go, when they stop writing, because like Pirates of the Caribbean succeeded not because they wrote Jack Sparrow. They wrote a pirate that Johnny Depp got to turn into Jack Sparrow. And same thing happened with Will's character. And then they went for part two. They're like, okay, now we're going to write Jack Sparrow. And they found they couldn't do it. There, to me, again, I felt a lot of characters didn't have the same life and blood because they were writing to the character instead of allowing the characters to write themselves. And uh, Iron Man 2 did that to me. They went, wow, Robert Downey Jr. is this crazy, cool, improv guy. We're going to have him help write the script, and we'll do this stuff, and we'll get put the cart before the horse. Um, Kingsman doesn't look like that. Kingsman looks like they went, we know. We know our characters. We know our world. We know our energy, and it's going to be the same more better i'm really excited can i talk about the hey arnold movie trailer it's you, one of the ones i didn't watch i didn't Did, no one watches fine then i'm just gonna tell everyone about this guys hey arnold is getting a movie where they're finally gonna solve the last loose end of the series he gets to go out and find out what happened to his parents maybe we're gonna find out but look that's another movie again what reminded me of it was it's a cartoon Dear, near and dear to my heart from childhood. But again, it's another movie that went, we know what you love. We, don't, we won't look at you and go, how can we stay fresh and relevant? They went, we know what you love. And we're going to give you what you love. And when I saw that trailer, I almost got teary-eyed, remembering watching all that stuff as a kid and all the powerful messages and moments of the TV show. And they're bringing it back in this movie. And that's what I want to see more of in our trailers. I don't think there's a better way to end than that. Great. I think uh, I think that's absolutely perfect. Uh, hope you enjoyed our episode about San Diego Comic Con with Carl Brevik before Ooh. he's on Conan. Yeah, that's right. We've never been able to say that <laughs> on before. Conan uh, guest Carl Brevik on, now on Bitface. And Carl, uh, as you know, uh, you are always welcome back here. I know absolutely. you and I have talked about some ideas we have planned for the future. So I hope you guys enjoy talking to Carl and listening to Carl as much as we do because we love having him here in the Bitcave. So thank you so much for uh, for coming on uh, this evening, especially on such a short notice after uh, after San Diego Comic Con. Our guest tonight, Carl Brevik, to my right, the chairman of the soundboards. As always, Tyler Run, TRG Glaze. I am Eric G. Hollis, and we are tired. <laughs>